Pastor Kevin Wallace here. Listen, we're excited about what God is going to do in this time together. I want you to pay attention to this message that the Lord has laid on my heart. I believe it's going to bring life and strength to you today. I want you to hang on till the end. I'm going to come back and I'm going to pray with you. God bless you. Receive this word today. But I'm ready to preach right now. Luke chapter 24, verse 13, when you have it, say amen. Now behold, I'm going to preach this morning on this thought. Open our eyes. How many want the Lord to open your eyes? How many want to see Jesus? Let's look at Luke 24, verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. Say seven miles. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were constrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and you are sad? Then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And Jesus said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered Jesus to be condemned to death and crucified him. And we were hoping, somebody say hoping, that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all of this, today is the third day since, things, since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb, and they found it just as the women had said, but Jesus they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the things that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered, somebody say suffered, suffered these things and entered into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures. Somebody say the scriptures. Somebody say the scriptures. The scriptures, these things concerning himself. I'm almost through, but the Bible is good to read. Amen. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is evening. Abide with us, for it is evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them, and it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread. He blessed it and broke it, and he gave it to them. And their eyes, then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight, and they said one to another, Did not our heart? burn within us 
while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures, second time he said it, he opened the scriptures to us. Lord, open our eyes. Put your Bible down, do something crazy, but as an act of faith, lay hands on your eyes today. Lord, open our eyes. We want to see Jesus. In your name we pray. And everybody said amen. You can be seated. If there is one thing that the church is having to fight for in this moment that we are living, it is its vision. I don't mean particularly our church, although I am not excluding our church. I am speaking broadly regarding the church at large. After you come through the kinds of things that we have come through and that we are coming out of, one of the things that you will find is a disorientation, a, a, a need vision. And vision is a powerful thing because without it, Proverbs 29 said, the people perish where there is no redemptive revelation. That's what it means in the Hebrew. That's what vision is. Where there is no redemptive revelation, the people cast off restraint and people do the craziest things. God, I want to tell you, God is still very much on the throne, in control, and he's up to something in the moment that we are living in. God has not disregarded his promises. He has not lost his power. God is not sitting over in some corner of the universe out of control watching the devil and all these hellions and witches and warlocks run the show. God is on the throne. And it is imperative, it is incumbent, it is necessary for the people of God to hear the voice of the Lord and to see with the eyes of the Spirit in this moment. Vision will not come from what you see with your natural eyes. Blind Bartimaeus told us that you can have sight you can have no sight but still have vision. I'm going to rewind that. Bartimaeus showed us that you can have no sight but still have vision. There are some people that can see with their natural eyes but have no spiritual vision. Bartimaeus had no natural sight but had spiritual vision. How do I know this? Because the Bible said when he heard Jesus was passing by. He began to cry out and scream, son of David, have mercy on me. He couldn't see Jesus in his natural eyes, but he saw himself in a place of healing because Jesus was passing by. You've got to keep your spiritual vision. You've got to be able to see, say, I don't see the rain, but I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I want to ask you, what's the last, when's the last time you closed your natural eyes, but you were so full of things spiritually that it didn't matter what you did see or didn't see with your natural eyes, you and I were so possessed with the promise from God that nothing hell sent your way could shake you out of the faith that you had that God was up to something good in your life. People of God, keep the vision. Don't allow the enemy to take your vision and don't allow the enemy to rob you from seeing things. And the greatest thing that we are in need of in this moment is not just a revelation about what he's doing in our life and it's not just a revelation about what he's doing in the church and it's not just another prophetic word about what he's going to do in the region. God wants us to see Jesus. I ain't going to get no help on this one today. God wants us to see Jesus. And you say, Pastor, I, I know Jesus. That's what everybody thinks. 
But this text today teaches us that you can be near Jesus and not even know he's among you. You can actually be in his presence and not be able to see him. And I wish today I was going to preach to unsaved people. And I wish today that I was going to preach to lost people. But today I came to preach to people who come to church all their little lives. And and, and you wonder what's next. And I'm going to tell you what's next for the people of God. It is a fresh revelation of the risen Christ. And the power that that revelation will bring to your life is everything you will ever need to do. Everything God ever called you to do. Enough with trying to accomplish our God-given assignment without a revelation of who Jesus is. You have no fire in your belly till you've seen the fire in his eyes. You have no fire in your spirit until you have heard the voice that sounds like the voice of many waters. I want to tell you today that there are people who come to church every Sunday. Perhaps they don't come here. Maybe they do. And we have to pull them and prime them and pump them up to get them excited about the one who nailed, who was nailed to a cross for their sin and rose from the dead so that they may have life. I tell you, friend, if anybody has to beg you to worship him, you have forgotten who he is and you have forgotten how good he's been to you and if you're sitting in here today and you're looking at your watch just trying to get through another service you're exactly who I came to to talk to you're exactly who I came to preach to the church is in need not of another Sunday morning service but a revelation of the risen Lamb of God we need Jesus again America needs him the world needs him and how shall they know unless we are sent and preach his name this text today disturbed me the bible said let me just break this down the bible said these men were leaving Jerusalem this is interesting to me because Jerusalem is the epicenter of all religious activity Jerusalem the place where the temple was Jerusalem, the place where the priests hung out and did the work of the Levitical uh, rite and, and they did all that they were supposed to do there in Jerusalem, the epicenter of all religious activity. And yet your Bible says they were leaving Jerusalem, heading toward Emmaus. And the further they got from Jerusalem, the closer they got to their encounter. We'll walk around here and preach. The further they got from Jerusalem, the closer they got to their encounter. I want to tell religious people something. Your infatuation with Jerusalem and all the religious stuff that happens at the religious epicenter. And I'm telling you, that, that day is over. We're going to have to distance ourselves from the religious epicenters that we have built monuments at and get a revelation that the further we get away from religion, the closer we get to an encounter. I like the way they were walking. They were walking just the way Jesus sent them, two by two. And your Bible says that they were walking together and discussing and reasoning, don't miss this, the events of the day. They were talking about the events of the day and Jesus walked up and you know what he wanted to talk about? The scriptures. I'm going to say a few things here today. 
This may not be TV worthy, but I'm getting ready to blow some stuff up. I'm getting ready to tear some stuff down. I'm getting ready to run through a troop and leap over a wall. I am so full in my spirit today. I am so overflowing today. I'm not mad. I've got joy. I'm not mad. I've got breakthrough. I'm just, I'm trying to figure out when in this sermon today, somebody who was a dry hide and has lost their love for God and had gotten cold on God. I'm trying to figure out when today your eyes are coming open to see the one that defeated death, hell, and the grave. Jesus is alive forevermore and there are some people that are getting further away from religion and the further you get away from your Jerusalem, the closer you are coming to your breakthrough and the closer you are coming to a revelation of who he is. When Jesus walks up, he doesn't want to talk about the events. He wants to talk about the scriptures. We want to talk about the events. <sighs> Let's all talk about the events. And do you know what the events made the disciples? Sad. They're walking in discouragement, sadness, and fear. And Jesus comes up to these two disciples. And this is a powerful thing, and the Lord, I don't know, somewhere around 4.30, I got up, I couldn't rest well, and I started thinking about the text I was preaching today, and, and I thought, you know, this is really good for this thing we're doing called Be Known, and all of our new connections that are coming. Something powerful happens when you get around people, and Jesus shows up. The key first is to get together. Just get together. The Bible said that they, it uses language like this, they and us and we, not me and I and mine. And if you want to encounter Jesus, you might have to start connecting yourself to people in the community of faith. Because something powerful happens when people come together and Jesus joins the crowd. He'll straighten out the mess that we often get ourselves in. And I just want to encourage you that make 2021 the year where you don't walk down a road by yourself. You join yourself to someone and walk the road together. Because if you will walk the road with people of God, Jesus will join the journey and it's going to get sweeter as the days go by. The Bible said that Jesus came and joined himself to these two disciples and they were talking about the events and he wanted to talk about the scriptures. And you know what I found out? Very few people want to talk about the scriptures. We float from prophet to prophet. Give me a prophecy. And we have a $1,000 prophet line and a $500 profit line, and a $200 profit line, and a cash app Venmo profit line, and everybody wants a prophecy, but nobody wants a Bible life. And what we find is that most, and listen, I'm a prophetic person, but my wife is much more prophetic than I am. I'm not against prophecy. The Bible said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, don't despise prophecy. We need prophecy. The Bible said we're edified and we're encouraged and we're built up with the prophetic word of the Lord. But there is an infatuation with prophecy and there is a disconnection from the scriptures. And when you get more focused on prophecy than what he's already said and what was inspired, you can set yourself up to be exposed to a non-profit. 
organization. And if you're not careful, you'll have some parking lot prophet telling you something about your past, your present, or your future, and none of it's true, and you leave screwed up. If you ever get in the scriptures, he'll never screw you up. The word of God will always set you free. David said, it's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. He sent, can I preach on the Bible a minute? He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thy words were found and I did eat them. Hebrews chapter 4, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Does anybody love the scriptures? Well, I have a prophetic anointing. I hope you have a scriptural anointing. I have, according to Second Peter, this is the old-fashioned Kevin that people don't know how to handle, but the Bible is good enough for me in my house. The B-I-B-L-E, that's good enough for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. You may have a prophecy, and I'm thankful for it. Paul told Timothy, guard the prophecies that were given to you, and by them you will accomplish a good warfare. But I'm going to tell you this. If you can't find anybody to prophesy over you, if you never get another prophetic word that makes you feel like an overcomer, if you'll open this book, it'll prophesy to you. It'll speak life to you. It'll give direction to you. Who should I marry? Stop waiting on Bozo at the parking lot to tell you who to marry. Open up Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and find a revelation of Jesus and he'll hook you up with somebody that won't be a mess for you in the future. Scriptures. And here's what I find, the more more scriptural I get, the more prophetic I get. The more I love the Bible, the more I love prophecy. And whenever you get close to the scriptures, It lights a fire on the inside of you. And the reason these disciples had lost their fire is because they had gotten away from the scriptures and started talking about the events. And the only source and subject, the the only resource for subjects for, for many people these days is what they get off the news. I'm going to watch the news so I can get woke. That'll not get you woke. That'll get you in trouble. This book is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It, you better hear what I'm telling you because there's going to be a day, it's already here, but you're going to see this more and more where this book is attacked as an ancient text of antiquity that could not be infallible and inspired by God And I've come to tell you, this book is God's word for me and you, both now and forever. It is infallible and it is inspired. It is without error, it is inerrant, and it is given by God. And these men were talking about the events, but they were not talking about the scriptures. And Jesus walks up, and here's what your Bible says. 
They're walking with Jesus and didn't even know that it was him. How can you be walking with Jesus and not even know it was him? So I sat down and wrote down some reasons why. I wrote down some reasons for a person to be able to walk with Jesus and not know it was him. And here's the first one. They did not know it was him perhaps because he did not look like the last time they saw him. This isn't Jesus because the last time we saw him, perhaps, and, and by the way, history reveals that the second disciple on the road to Emmaus with Cleopas was his wife. Now, there is some discussion and uh, um, disagreement about who it was. Scripture does not tell us, but many traditionalists in the, in the early church believe that Cleopas was walking with his wife on the road to Emmaus. That is interesting because John's gospel tells us that Cleopas' wife was at the foot of the cross. So if Cleopas' wife was at the foot of the cross then perhaps the last time she saw Jesus, he was a bloody mess. The last time she saw Jesus, his side had been pierced and his head was crowned with thorns and his body was bruised and bloody and his face was swollen and his voice was trembling and he is hung wide and stretched. They hung him high and they stretched him wide and he was beaten beyond the visage and the form of any other man, the book of Isaiah said. The last time she saw him, he looked like a lamb led to a slaughter. And now... He's in his resurrected body and they can't perceive that this is Jesus because he shows up and looks different than the last time they saw him. And there's some people in here gonna miss Jesus if they're not careful because he's not gonna show up this time like the last time you saw him. Do you know how many people will miss an appointment with Jesus because he's going to show up in a different way than the last time you saw him? Well, Brother Wallace, I was raised in the old school church. And that's wonderful because I was too. The problem is you want him to come to you now like he came to you 20 years ago. It's the same Jesus. But there may be a deeper revelation for you in this season than the previous season. And if you're demanding that he shows up the way he used to show up in your life, he might, you might just not know he is among you. How many people will miss God because the move of God coming doesn't look like it used to look? I'm not going to get no help right here. Jesus will show up however he wants to show up. And if you're not careful, you will miss his presence simply because he looks different in the natural than you thought he was going to look. And what I have found about Jesus is that Jesus will often show up and he will disrupt your anticipation and he will disrupt what you, what the preconceived notions that we have in our mind as believers as to what revival looks like is keeping many people from revival itself. Uh, do you know how many people, now this is not a deal now, this is 20 years ago when Devin and I started. Do you know how many people we lost when we stopped singing out of songbooks? People thought Devin and I went reprobate. We started singing the same songs on a screen. 
Some of y'all are, what are you talking about? Thank God you didn't have to go through that, okay? But you start singing songs that nobody ever sung before, and people start thinking, this ain't God. Why ain't it God? Because it don't look like what I thought. Well, when were you God? <laughs> Sister Yay Yay? Brother Flip Flop, who made you God? What if God was creating a generation who had a sound that didn't come out of something? I'm think y'all know me. I sung two hymns this morning. This is not about the songs. This is about putting God in a box and telling him, if you don't show up like I thought you were going to show up, I have the unmitigated gall to say God ain't here because it don't look like what we did. Well, you know what? God might be doing something different and show up in a fresh new way and you and your religious self might need to deal with your preconceived notion and make sure you don't miss God. I want to go ahead and give a preemptive strike before this weekend. 1,500 young people are coming and they're going to do things different than you and your mom and them did it. And the best thing you can do is celebrate it and not criticize it. I've been through this a couple of times. We had the 90-day revival and preachers started standing up all over the place condemning us because people, all these young people were jumping in the altar and crying. And what they didn't know is those same people jumping and crying were getting baptized in the baptism pool. And a month before that, they were in a crack house or a whorehouse selling their body on the corner of a street. And when Jesus walks up and saves you, you don't put them back. You don't clean the fish. You catch the fish and get them in the boat and trust the Holy Ghost to clean the fish. I love the scriptures. The message never changes, but the method always will. I lost everybody. They missed Jesus perhaps because he didn't look like the last time they saw him. Do you understand we are in need of a fresh revelation of Jesus? Not a new Jesus. The same Jesus but a fresh revelation. Devin talked about this a couple Sundays ago and it blessed me so much I thought I'd preach on it again. John the Revelator saw him hanging on a cross. John the Revelator had a meal with him at a campfire. John the Revelator saw him and he remembered him as, the, as Joseph's son, the carpenter from Nazareth. That's why when he was on the Isle of Patmos on the Lord's Day, when the Bible said he was standing there, had been bored and all, and they left him by himself and he was all alone except he was not all alone because the Bible said on the Lord's day there was a voice like the sound of many waters that said John turn around I've got something to show you and when John turned around he didn't see Mary's baby he didn't see Joseph's son he didn't see a carpenter from Nazareth he didn't see a lamb tied to a cross he saw a resurrected son of God with feet like brass eyes like fire hair like wool and the voice like the sound of many waters this limp-wristed meek little mild defeated Jesus that we're telling everybody is our homeboy is not a revelation of who he is right now he's not under a tomb he's not in a grave he's seated at the right hand of God and he's got all power wake up church he's alive hallelujah 
well, we don't have to get so loud. Yes, I do. If you felt in your soul what I feel in mine right now, I believe if you hand me a light bulb, it'll turn on. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, the power of God is real. And we need, like Paul, we need for the eyes of our understanding to come open and a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus to come to the church. The Bible says that they didn't know it was him. Maybe they didn't know it was him because it looked different. Maybe they didn't know it was Jesus because he intentionally hid himself from them to make sure they wanted him. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean, what if their eyes were not able to see him simply because he wanted them to search and go digging through the scriptures to be reminded of what he told them. We want an easy access to Jesus. And I want to tell you, for all of the unsaved, lost people in this room or watching me online, he's the easiest person to come into your heart and change your life. I mean, it's simple. It's hard, but it's simple. You ready for this? Repent of your sins. We don't talk about repentance, but that's what your Bible says. God commands all men at all places and right now to repent and to turn to him and be saved. If you're lost, Jesus is the most, most accessible savior you will ever find. But for those who are saved, I wanna tell you that there is a treasure in this man, Jesus, that you and I must go searching for. It's not always easy. It's not always shallow end. It doesn't feel like sometimes he's very accessible. I don't know if you ever felt like these two disciples, but I have. Their eyes were heavy and they didn't seem to be able to find him. They could not see it was Jesus. How many, I'm talking to saved people. How many have ever had a hard time finding Jesus? Okay, making sure I'm not the only weird one. Why does it get like that sometimes? Because he is a precious treasure. And had they just walked up and known it was him, they may have took him for granted. Like many of us do sometimes. I just want to go down to the church on Sunday and get my Jesus fix. When sometimes he's more difficult to find because he wants to make sure you're looking for him. How do I know this is the case? Because he indicated to them, first of all, he preached them a good sermon on the road. A good scriptural Bible sermon. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says he opened up the scriptures. Here we go, scriptures. <laughs> Moses to the prophets. And he showed them 
how many things he must suffer. Do you know one reason why they couldn't believe it was Jesus? Because they forgot he told them he would suffer. And their idea of a Messiah was a conquering king, not a suffering servant. How he must suffer and then enter into his glory. And here's what we want in today's church. We want access to glory without going through the portal of suffering. I'm not going to find any help today. I, this is fascinating. I'm watching people who don't even know if they can receive this message, and yet it is so scriptural, and the religion and the Christianity we're painting for today's believers is get saved, and everything is peanut butter and jelly. I want to tell you right now, there is a place in the kingdom of God for those who will know him deeply and will walk with him deeply. You will not only know him in the power of his resurrection, but you will know him in the fellowship of his suffering and I am not preaching this to prophesy suffering I am preaching this to expose the fact that if you've been through any suffering the next chapter is not more suffering the next chapter is more glory Friday is bad but Sunday is coming and I want to tell you that the pain of the cross will be vanquished by the resurrection from the tomb Jesus is getting ready to turn your sorrow into laughter your weeping into joy put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness if you haven't been through anything you don't need this but if you've come through hell and walking on the other side today you know that I'm telling the truth God will transform your weeping into joy weeping only endures for a night help me holy ghost joy comes in the morning suffering he said I gotta suffer but there's glory coming how did I get two Bibles up here <laughs> hallelujah I'm highly dangerous I'm registered downtown. I'm carrying an unconcealed weapon today. Hallelujah. I've got a sword in, oh, I'm feeling like this is about to bless me. I've got a sword in my right hand and a sword in my left hand. And if they take these two away, they can never take the sword of the spirit that is down in my heart. I've got the word of God. Anybody know what it's like to have the Bible in your soul? Jesus. They... They, they get to walking, he gets to preaching, and he indicates to them, I'm going to keep on going. This is how you know you're in revival, when the sermon's over and they don't want you to leave, Jesus. Y'all missed it, y'all missed it, you missed it. He got through preaching and was going to move to the next place. And when they found out he was going to leave, yes, they said, you can't leave. Wait a minute, the sermon's over. Yeah, but you can't leave. There's only one thing left to do when the sermon's over. Take him home with you. Y'all missing what I'm saying. I'm all by myself out here today, but I've been with him this morning in prayer. And I came to tell you that after the sermon is over, after the sermon is over and everybody runs to the restaurant to feed their belly, I want to let you know you can take him with you. You don't have to get rid of him on the road. You don't have to disconnect from him after the sermon is over. He wants to get in the boat. He wants to come to your house. He wants to get in the car. He's not my car. 
co-pilot. The devil is a liar. I want him to take over and have control. The Bible said, the Bible said that he was about to go. And they said, we want you to stay. Look at somebody and tell them, neighbor, I don't know about you. Tell him I don't even care. I want him to stay with me a while. Yeah. I don't want Amy, a Jesus that I come and shake hands with on Sunday and pat him on the back and I walk out the door and he stays in the altar. Oh no, that's not the kind of Jesus I need. I want him to know that when the sermon's over, I want you to come home with me and Devin and the kids. I don't want you to just to keep on going to the next house. I want you to stay at my house for a while. Come on in, Lord. See, this is the problem. We are, we ha- how many of y'all have favorite places to go come on don't lie how many of y'all have favorite restaurants yes and we have we have favorite places to go but we have the unmitigated goal to think God can't have favorite places we think that just because we're saved sanctified filled with the Holy Ghost and know how to bounce our head that Jesus has to show up on Sunday but he don't have to do anything he's God all by himself and I if I want him to come it's not up to me to create the kind of atmosphere and the kind of culture and the kind of house that I like that's what got us in the mess we're in too many people build churches like the ones they want to go to and didn't build the kind of church that God likes to go to well I want you to know I want to build the kind of church that God wants to go to so that when nobody else is here he'll just show up all by himself in the room because he likes what's happening in this house you say Pastor Kevin what kind of church does God like to go to well I'm glad you asked there are only two things God went looking for in all the Bible number one he came to seek and to save those who are lost if you want to know what he's looking for he's looking for a church that will love lost people he's looking for a church that will bring lost people in if you want to know where God is he's where lost people are but that ain't the only thing he also seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth and if you want to know what kind of church God wants to show up at he doesn't show up at the church of the frozen chosen he doesn't show up at the church where everybody's walking around and they think they've arrived he will show up however when somebody who's broken and contrite in their spirit walks through the door walks through the doors and said this is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in it. You can sit out there and look at me and act like I'm crazy if you want to, but worship is what attracted him to my life. It wasn't my gift. It wasn't my preaching. It wasn't my voice. It was my worship. When nobody was with me and tears were streaming, he said, I'm going to use him. I'm going to get close to him. I'm going to draw near to him because he drew near to me. How many people in this house love to worship? I said how many people in this house love to worship the Lord
Well, it don't take all this. You know, when the Lord rebuked me a week ago, I was in a service, and everybody was excited. And I said, this, all this can't be real. They just excited. And the Lord said, hmm, how do you know what's real and what's not real? Why don't you quit worrying about what's not real and give me something real? And I'm going to tell you what I felt like. I'm getting ready to preach on worship in the next couple of weeks. Because I've been going through this thing in my spirit as your pastor. There's a whole lot of inspection going on in this house. And some of y'all just sitting up, you're a thermometer. You sit like this. That ain't right. That ain't real. That ain't authentic. They're emotional. That was in the flesh. And I want to sit there and tell you, you don't even know what you're talking about. God never called you to walk in this house and judge anybody else. You are not the WBI. You are not the Worship Bureau of Investigation. We didn't appoint you to be a praise captain. Ain't nobody asked you, to, ain't nobody asked you for your opinion about somebody else's worship. If you're the one that brought them through, you can tell me if it's real. But if you weren't there the night the Lord saved us, sit yourself down, sit your hips down, and let me praise the one that brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm tired of a bunch of religious Pharisees that think they've been appointed to judge the atmosphere. You're not called to be a thermometer. You're called to be a thermostat. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come into him the Baal Shattaya. Come into his courts with praise. I need some people to make up their mind every time they walk through the door. If nobody but me and my house worship, he's been too good to me. Yes, he's been too good to me. I've got to bless him. Clap your hands. All ye people, shut up of a host. Stop somebody, tell him, excuse me, excuse me. I don't want him to pass me by. You might be able to live with him living or not living in your house, but I need him to come to my house after the service is over, after I get through preaching, after I get through singing, I want him to come over to my house. The Bible said, watch this, I'm getting ready to close. Ooh. Oh, oh, oh. I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody let out a praise. Somebody let out a praise. I need two chairs. Uh, go get me those two stools up there, Rick. Please, give me the bread, give me the bread, give me the bread. So they said, we want you to come over to the house. When the sermon's over, when the singing's over, we ain't had enough of you yet, Jesus. We want you to come over to the house. So they hosted him. Oh, yes, yes, this is fine. No, 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 right here. I done made a mess in the altar. Let's stay in the altar. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, come here, Pastor Gary. Come here, Pastor Gary. Come here, Pastor Gary, because I'm going to be Jesus. 
and you're going to be Cleopas. Watch this. And Cleopas said, I want you to come to my house. So he comes in and he sits down. And we don't know what's going to happen next. All we know is that they don't want him to leave. Look at your neighbor. Tell them, neighbor, I tell them like you have something down in you. Say, ah. Yeah, that felt better, didn't it? Yes, it did. I don't want him to leave. So Gary and Cleopas let Jesus come into the house. They hosted Jesus. We may not know how to do everything at Redemption to the Nations Church, but one thing we are, oh, I felt it. I just felt that. One thing we are going to do well, we're going to host Jesus. We might make a mess. We might get out afternoon. We might have a mess going on in the altar and a traffic jam on Bailey Avenue. But one thing we are going to do by the grace of God, we are going to host the King of Glory. Who is this King of Glory? The Lord God strong and mighty. The Lord God mighty in battle. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of Glory shall come in. And he came in. Watch this. He's sitting in their house and he is being hosted. But at some point in them hosting Jesus, he flipped the table and he became the host. How do I know this? Because the Bible said he came in as a guest, but at some point in the moment when they hosted him, he pulled out the bread and started feeding them. Y'all missed this in the scripture. He was being hosted, but if they ever got him in the house and hosted him, he's too good to sit there and let them do the work. He said, if you let me in, you're going to find out I got something you didn't even know about. And the Bible said that he took the bread and he lifted it up. Where did he get the bread from? He was the bread. He was the bread that came down from God out of heaven. He said, I know they're hungry. They've been walking all day long, but I am the bread of life and I'm getting ready to feed them till they walk no more. And he takes out the bread and he... He blesses the bread, and then he, he starts breaking the bread. This is how he uses you and I. He'll bless us, but then he'll break us. Because if he don't break you, all you have is one loaf. If all you have is one loaf, I can only feed one man. Which is why some of you who've been broken into a million pieces... And you've been wondering, why am I broken? God sent me to tell you, he never used unbroken bread to feed the multitude. He only uses what has been broken. Touch somebody, tell them, I know what it's talking about. I know what it's talking about. I know what it's talking about. I know that not everybody on my road can catch what he just said. But I've been through enough brokenness to understand something is getting ready to happen in my life. Have you ever been through a season where God 
blessed you. But then you come through another season where God broke you. And you wonder, why did he bless me first and break me next? I tell you, breaking always precedes the using of God. If he ever breaks you, it's because he blessed you and he trusted you to feed hungry people. He took the bread. Watch, I'm almost done. He took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And when he gave it to Cleopas, his eyes came open at the breaking of the bread. Why the breaking of the bread? The third reason people cannot see Jesus is that they have forgotten what he did. Watch. In order to grab this last piece of this message that God put on my heart, you've got to rewind to Luke 9 where 5,000 men and women and children were sitting on a hillside and they got hungry. And the disciples said, take Take what you got. What do we have, brothers? And they said, whoa, whoa, whoa. All we have is two fish and five loaves of bread. Bring it to me. And he took the bread and he did something that is going to be revolutionary. He blessed the bread and then he broke it. He made them sit down in companies of 50, and he just kept breaking the bread. 5,000 men, women and children. How are we going to do this? Little is much when God is in it. Has he ever once passed you by? When you needed a savior, has he ever one time just ignored your cry when you ask him for a favor? I don't need no music right here. He's blessed you once. He'll bless you twice. I know I've had his blessing all my life, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Or his seed begging for bread. And he just kept on breaking it. Watch this. And a few hours later, 5,000 men and women and children, all of them had been fed. And somewhere between that day and the moment where Cleopas is sitting in the presence of Jesus, he had forgotten the goodness of God. And he couldn't see that this was Jesus until Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. Help me now, Brian. And then he gave them the bread. <clears throat> and when he broke the bread and gave it to Cleopas, his eyes came open. How? He said, wait a minute. There's only one hand that can take that loaf of bread and bless it like he did and 
break it like he did. And he noticed something while he's sitting there and he's breaking the bread. He noticed some nail prints in those hands. And Cleopas' eyes came open. And when his eyes came open, the Bible said Jesus vanished. And you say, Pastor, that's so sad. But you got to keep reading the text. When he left, they didn't get depressed. The Bible said their hearts were burning on the inside of them. Some of you have forgotten the goodness of God in your life. And he came to break the bread. And in the breaking of the bread in your life, I believe somebody's eyes are coming open today. You can't know Jesus until you remember how good he's been. And I just felt like today this word was for some people who keep saying stuff like, I can't, I'm having a hard time finding God. I'm having a hard time praying through. I'm having a hard, it's like I can't feel him. I, I don't know he's there. Maybe he showed up in a way different than the way you thought he was going to. Maybe he's there, he's just wanting to see, do you really want me to stop at your house? Maybe he's there, but you've forgotten how good he was. And today he's just going to break some bread. I'm about to overload you with bread, Gary. You're about to run out of hands for all this bread. But isn't that the kind of God we serve? I thought I read a scripture over there in Luke 6, 38. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. He blessed you in your 20s. Give me another loaf of bread because some of these religious people thought I was about to run out. But I'm getting ready to show you God's got more bread than you know what to do with. He blessed you in your 20s. He blessed you in your 30s. He blessed you in your 40s. He's going to bless you in your 50s. In your 60s. In your 70s all the days of your life. He's just going to keep on blessing you and breaking you and blessing you and breaking you and blessing you and breaking you and he'll keep feeding you till you won't no more. Somebody's forgotten how good he was. He loved me. I can't see him. He's about to break some bread for you again. And your eyes are coming open. If I'm talking to you, hop up on your feet right now. I know I'm not talking to everybody, but if I'm talking to you, hop up on your feet right now. I, I need my eyes to come open. I need my eyes to come open. I need my eyes to come open. I, I love Jesus. I, 
but I got more focused on my events than I did on who he is. You know what I pray out of this? If nothing else happens, I pray out of this we get hungrier for Scripture than we ever been. Friend, I believe God is speaking to hearts right now. This message, I pray, has stirred you, and there are some who are watching this message who are waiting on the opportunity to give their heart to Jesus Christ. Listen, the greatest day in your life is the day that you give your heart to Jesus Christ and allow him to become the Lord of your life. And if you want that opportunity, then right now I want to pray with you. You know, the Bible says in the book of Acts that God commands men and women everywhere to repent, to turn from their sin, and to turn to the living God. And the message of hope today for you is that no matter how messed up you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how far away from God you feel, He is only one prayer away. Would you turn your heart toward Him right now? Just say, Dear God, save me, forgive me, cleanse me of my sin, and make me new. I I confess you as my Lord and Savior, Jesus, and I'm asking you to be the king of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, let us know today. We want to make sure you have a Bible. We want to make sure you know that as a local church here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, someone is praying for you. We hope to see you soon if you're in the Chattanooga area, and if not, get in a Bible-believing church somewhere and grow in your purpose in Christ. We love you. We're praying for you today. God bless you.